When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, good evening and welcome to the LFC Day Trippers. I'm Emmett and this is Viewer's Voice. With me tonight is Keith and regular appearances now on Viewer's Voice for Ron and Matt. How are you, Keith? I'm grand. Can you hear me, dishwasher? (laughs) Still no. (laughs) That's grand, because just as we spoke there, it gave a little burst of sound there, a little burst of life. Now I'm I'm delighted to be on with the lads first time on this show, first time... uh, getting on to viewers voice so i'm excited to see what we have in store good stuff and matt i have to say can i just say to anybody that's not actually listened to the new audio only pod that gav put out yesterday um in my life it's called isn't it um matt was the first guest on i have to say i listened to it this morning it was absolutely unbelievable um and even i've spoken to you matt before over at a liverpool game and i even found out kind of more from last night, I thought it was really, really good, and I'm, I can't wait now for the next episode. Have you got the Have you got the nod, Ron? What was that? Have you got the nod to go on to it? No, no, no. I haven't been contacted about that yet. Actually, oh, okay, no worries. Check your emails, Ron. I'm sure it's on the way. Yeah. So okay. for anybody, uh, for anybody that's not uh, listened to it, I think uh, Gav put it up in the Telegram, but you can find it on most um, where you find most of your podcasts on some good uh, sites and probably some crap ones as well. Um, how are you, Ron? Doing pretty good. I'll take a uh, full blame for the delay tonight. Um, <laughs> we weren't going to say anything. Oh, well, no, no, no. I, I, it, I, I had a client call that I just couldn't get off of, so, um, but glad to be here. It wasn't with uh, George Mendez, was it? I wish it was. <laughs> that would have been a good story to tell. <laughs> His phone is busy at the moment, I'd say. I bet it is. I bet it is. <laughs> and how are you, man? You enjoyed the chat anyway with Gav last night. Yeah, I, it was a it was a blast. Uh, I mean, Gav makes it pretty easy to chit chat with him. You know, it's just like you're sitting having a beer with somebody at the pub. So, uh, yeah, it was real fun. So I'm really looking forward to hearing uh, other people's favorite moments uh, of being Liverpool fans and listening to Gav talk about the Barcelona game probably six to ten times. So, and tell the truth, did you listen back to it yourself? No, no, never. Oh, you should. Never. It's, it's excellent. It's absolutely excellent, I have to say. I mean, I was there. I thought it was pretty good. I only ever listen back to the ones I'm on. So, you know what I mean? <laughs> could be say more about my ego than that, now. <laughs> so, look, it is Viewer's Voice. And for the last, we've had two episodes so far, uh, the last two Thursdays. Uh, it's Keith's first time on Viewer's Voice. So, the way it works is we've spoken to Ron, Matt and Keith. And they've come up with the likes of topics that they want to speak about. 
Um, so this week, what we'll do is, I think we'll start off, Matt, with your topic. So, and it is a bit of a hot topic this week, but not necessarily for what you feel is going to be a change to the system that we play next season. So a lot of people are saying 4-3 or 4-2-3-1. Um, you think that there may be a move to three at the back, and I'm just watching Keith cringe down the bottom there. <laughs> um, how Go into that in a bit of detail for us. How is that going to work, do you feel? Sure. I mean, uh, the recent England internationals came up, so naturally you get the regurgitated talk of, you know, Reese James and Trent. And it made me think back to when Chelsea tried to play in a back four earlier this year and just how dreadful they all looked. Like they, they so desperately need to be with three center halves to – to cover themselves and it made me think of what would Trent be like with three center halves behind him like imagine the freedom if the only stick that people have to beat Trent with is well he's not a very good defender if you just had Joe Gomez or Joel Matip just that little bit further out to the right to cover him just that little bit more the amount of freedom that it would give him and now to clarify I'm not talking a complete change I think the 4-3-3 is how we play but whether it's a plan B late in games or something in terms of rotation, because once you put like, we got four really good center halves and we're going to need to find minutes for them. And if you look when Virgil's healthy, Virgil plays. So there's not a lot of appearances left to split up between Matip Kanate and Joe Gomez, especially Joe Gomez. Uh, so I think if we were able to integrate playing with three center halves a little bit, it would really allow us to shuffle the numbers around in midfield. That might mean playing with two holding midfielders in front of the three, and then we can just let the fullbacks bomb on. Uh, but I, I think it helps with the numbers, and it would just be a little wrinkle because we're, we're so well-drilled in the 4-3-3 Klopp system. Year after year, you look at our players, a lot of them have been with this system for three, four, five years, and they know it like the backs of their hand. I think just a slight tweak there for whether it's moments, like it could be as simple as dropping Fabinho back into a three and shifting the midfield three to a midfield two and then just allowing the fullbacks to push on that much more. But it's just a thought that I had because if Reese James looks as good as he does in a five-man defense as opposed to a four, like Trent would just be otherworldly. Well, I, I think that we, we have said on here before, like every season since Klopp has been in, he's changed something. Something has been tweaked. So, I mean, I, I think it's it's a given that there will be a tweak. It's just where does the, the tweak come? And I, and I get what you're saying about the, the tree at the back and possibly, like you said, not every single game. And you have seen, and look, we were on for the quadruple this year. So, But there's times where in games we look like we were kind of flogging a dead horse, let's say, trying to, trying to actually score and break down a defence. Should we have, and you hear people saying, oh, there's no plan B, it's just plan A. Is that what you mean? So in a game where we just we change formation, and I know he has actually changed formation. Um, I'll actually go to you, Keith. Um, should we be able to play several different ways, or should we? I know, I know he has changed in some games, not massively. But should we be drilled? I know it's hard enough to drill a team in one way, but should we be drilled to play in certain several different types of formations in the one game yeah okay um yeah all right 
three at the back i'm not sure about now what matt is saying it's very and i do sort of see a, a bit of common sense in a in the fabinho idea of dropping back in that was very barcelona on that pep when bus gets a drop back into the in beside the center backs because alves uh be so far forward and things like that and i could see a bit of that i think that that there could be a shift. I don't think three centre-backs playing, it's too defensive. It's anti-Klopp. Do you know what I mean? If anything, Klopp, teams play that, like Chelsea play that, to give extra cover. It's what um, Thomas Tuchel fell into there when he went to Chelsea and has sort of nearly been forced to stick with it. It's what, like... Antonio Conte plays because he's an ultra defensive type of coach. I think of anything, right? We'll see more two four four at Liverpool this season. Um, in the sense that I think Klopp trusts the centre back so much, and I think it will be we will start to see more of Kanate and Virgil as a two man defence, um, which is a bit of an outrageous and a mad show. But I think the way the for the way the formation does be, it's hard to pinpoint the formation for Liverpool because the fullbacks push so far up. And anyway, and I see a lot of talk of four two three one being a, an option going forward, and that could be it. You know, if Darwin Nunes gets over the line, and people are looking at Carvalho as a start, and I don't think Carvalho will go straight in, but it could be wrong. You could look at a forward line of you know Mo on the right, Diaz on the left, Nunes with Carvalho just in behind them as four across the front with two central midfield players, but with Trent and Robertson so high that they're essentially playing as, you know, wide midfielders. And I think Klopp would more trust a back two than he would a back three. Um, it's hard on Joe Gomez because where does he get his games? Do you know what I mean? Where does he get his games? I think Joe Gomez will play a lot of right-back cover now. Or even if we saw in Calvin Ramsey, because I think it'll take time for him to adapt and time for him to get up. I mean, we spoke on, on Sunday night show. I was a Tuesday. It could have been Tuesday. There was no show on Sunday. It was Tuesday. About, you know, five subs being a key. Um, Calvin Ramsey coming in from a, a big jump from Aberdeen. Do you know what I mean? Like Aberdeen to Liverpool. Even the, the facilities will be a bit daunting. Do you know what I mean? So it's going to be big for him. So I think Gomez gets his minutes maybe in, in the odd game as, as a trend cover, especially with five subs. But now I think, you know, I, I can understand people calling for three, four, I suppose three at the back, depending on what you put in front of it. It can be a decent formation, but it's just, it, it's against, I think, the way Klopp likes to play football. It's too defensive. And I think, as I say, hang me out to dry, two, four, four. It's the future. I'm going with it. But there's actually several people in, and I think it was Chris Brack might have been the first to actually say, and that's the system I was I was thinking of that club has moved to four two four in a, a lot of games this season as well. Um, but uh, a lot of people agree with you on the two four four two four four. Ron, what do you reckon? <laughs> um, can you guys hear me? We can. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I think four two four or four two. Was it four two two two? Four two three one. There we go. Um, I think that um, I think that's more more likely um, to me, uh, simply because as much as we have to figure out what we're doing with uh, Joe Gomez and getting him his minutes, I also think uh, Bobby's story isn't finished yet either. Um, and a four two in a four two three one or four two four, uh, there's a lot of creative ways to utilize Bobby in that scenario that, and I think especially, especially if it, let's say, you know, as it looks, Nunez comes through, um, you know, you might have Salah on the right, 
um, Diaz on the left, Nunez or Jota up front, and Bobby sitting behind. Uh, so there's there's a lot of different ways that can work out. I think I think I think that's that that to me seems a little bit more likely. I do. I do wonder about about the defense, though, because um, I don't. I, I meant to ask you guys while you were talking about it. Uh, is is the story settled on on Nico yet? Do we know if he's if he's actually gonna 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 depart? Because if he isn't, yeah, yeah, you know, as much as I like seeing Joe Gomez out of right back, I think I think Nico's growing a lot. I think I, to, to, at least to the point where you know he's he's in with a legitimate shout to to get some minutes there. Especially considering all the cup games we're likely to be playing, so I think I think Nico is probably most likely to go. Uh, and somebody po- popped it in there actually. Uh, um, you had it on there a second ago, Bobby in the ten, uh, like you said as well, Ron. But also um, you'd have Elliot as well, who could possibly play in a hole uh, too. Um, but um, it's great to have the choice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely brilliant to have the choice. Um, so speaking of the likes of Elliot, <clears throat> so you've got Elliot, we've got Carvalho, we've got Kate Gordon. People are reckoning might even see a bit of game time uh, this this season. Calvin Ramsey coming in, other youngsters. The youngsters really need to step up, Ron. Um, whereas maybe they haven't in the past. Um, how much do you th- how much of a part do you think that the youngsters are going to have to play in the com- upcoming season? Um, I think I think quite a big one. I think particularly for Jones and Elliot. I mean, this is this is sort of the year where we're really going to need them because we've got um, depending on what we do in the midfield and the transfer window. You know, if it if we if we end up doing nothing, then you know a lot's going to fall on their shoulders to really uh, provide some quality minutes and going for, to. To the to the side, especially uh, on the cup runs. Also, it's not really sure um, what we're going. Carvalho suffers the same fate as Elliot to me, which is I don't know. It's one hundred percent certain that he ends up solely in attack. Um, he could end up in the midfield as well, um, depending on who we're playing and or how Klopp sees sees fit based on the opposition. But um, I think for the for these guys, I think it's a real a real chance to you know. To stake a claim, grab a shirt. Um, I think I think Jones is most well suited to do so, given you know, even though he had sort of a scratchy start to the season. Um, but I, I think I think as time went on, what he became, why he didn't become what we would have, what I at least for me, what I would have thought in terms of an attacking player, he would have flourished as a little more. But he, I think he became more of a center mid that Klopp actually wants him to be, um, being more utilitarian. Playing, playing more of the system role, being and 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 keeping keeping track of the ball better. I think he became more of that throughout the season. So I think I think going forward, I think he's well positioned to really get get a lot more minutes next next season. Yeah, I think uh, it was spoken about on a podcast last week. I think it might have been Gav that actually said you could actually see the change in the way Jones actually played. He wasn't as gung ho as he maybe was in previous seasons. He wasn't popping shots off, he was retaining the ball and off. Like he does hold onto the ball really, really well. He's strong. And I don't know if anybody's ever been up close. I'm not saying that I have, but seeing him live, he's a lot bigger than you'd expect him to be. I always thought he was small, but he's, he's actually big. I think he's actually bigger than Trent, if I'm not mistaken. So Emma, I really don't big. like to talk about the time I went to see Liverpool against Burnley. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
he played that game and, and he is quite tall there. Yeah. No, I think Curtis. I think Curtis Jones is a very good player, and I think he gets a too much stick from fans. Like I think people expect him to be the finished article when he, he's not. He's only a young lad. And what I find with him, I think you hit the nail on the head there. That you know, well, his his game probably didn't progress the way a lot of people thought it would in the attacking sense. In the defensive side of it, I think he is getting better. He's he's very very press resistant. He keeps the ball very well in tight situations. Now his decision making isn't probably the best, but. You can work on that, you know. For a kid of his age, he's got, uh, uh, he's getting a lot of experience under his belt now. And and someone said there about maybe sending him out on loan. I, I wouldn't. I'd keep him. I think if you switch to a four two three one, I think he could flourish at times in those, um, you know, one of them three positions behind the front. You know, he's not going to nail down a role there, but it's one that you could put him in and certainly see him doing a job for you. So Curtis Jones is one that does certainly interest and intrigue me a lot. Yeah, and as uh, Kevin said, and others have said there as well, we're, we're talking here, it's time for, like, is it time for the youngsters to step up? And you're including Elliot in that. Elliot Morden stepped up and then obviously was unfortunate with his injury. He had literally nailed down a place in that team. <laughs> Hit the Brentford button, peeps. <laughs> uh, he had nailed down a starting position, as far as I was concerned, uh, up until he had that bad injury against Leeds. So, okay, he has kind of, you can't bring a player, but you can't rush a player back from an injury like that. Um, but like, if he can get back any way near the form he was in towards the start of last season or the, the previous season, sorry, um, he's an unbelievable player to have in your in your squad, man. What do you think? Yeah, it's like going and looking at the appearances that players made last season. And, you know, Harvey Elliott only made six league appearances last year, and they were pretty much all at the start of the season. And then that injury comes and we all kind of fell asleep on it. But obviously the coaching staff sees something in him that at the start of the season, he was keeping a 50 million pound midfielder in Nabi Keita and the club captain out of the starting lineup. I mean, there's obviously something that's going on on the training pitch that is making them very confident to give him that responsibility. I mean, I, I believe he started the Chelsea game at the start of the season. Yep. I mean, that's a, that's a huge shout for an 18 year old kid. And it's, you know, being transfer season and talking about needing to do this and do that, it's just this FIFA mindset of a player is perfect at 18 and the second their age starts with a three, they're garbage. And that's just not reality. Like, yeah, you look at how much better Phil Foden is now than he was two, three years ago. He's starting to develop into that because he's gotten the time to do it. And it's certainly not too late on Curtis Jones. He's, he needs to stay around the team because for me, Curtis Jones will progress into the type of player that Jay, uh, James Milner and Jordan Henderson are like that. Those will be his role models on that team. And you couldn't ask for better professional role models. And if they play the same type of game where he's versatile, doesn't get injured very often, that's, that's the sort of player you build a winning team around. But like for me, like Carvalho is the the wild unknown. We have no idea, you know, how we're going to use him. If he's going to adapt, he could be a total flop. We have no idea. But Harvey Elliott is due for a breakout season next year, a breakout season. If he doesn't get his leg broken again and he gets the same confidence in him that Klopp showed in him at the start of this year, it, it could be a really, really big season for Harvey Elliott. And if he, like, it, it answers a lot of the questions about the uncertainty of the squad and stuff like that. If you can take a guy that only had six Premier League appearances and if he jumps up to 25 or 30, especially with the three subs, 
that's that's a lot of minutes being taken up by a young kid that wasn't here for us for the most part this past year. So it, it's exciting. And that's not even talking about the kids at the academy because you never know when one of those could break through. Like Tyler Morton played against Spurs and didn't have a great game, but he wasn't a total fish out of water in that game. So. Yeah, and I think a lot of that is down to maybe the new training facility and the fact that they do train extremely close together. I know Klopp does invite the the lads from the academy to train with the first team an awful lot as well. Um, we kind of spoke about it on Tuesday, um, myself, Gav and um, Keith. So just in terms of Ron, yourself, and then we'll go to Matt. With all of this talk of the youngsters, and I know it was yourself that wanted to talk about them having to step up, Ron. Myself and Keith were under the impression, or we felt that midfield would maybe need to be strengthened a little bit. Now, obviously, a lot has happened between now and, and then, um, and it looks like we're about to drop a hefty wad of uh, cash on uh, Darwin Nunes. Um, do you think that we have in Elliot and possibly in Carvalho, if he plays in the midfield, do you think we could get away without adding to the midfield? Ooh, um, I guess I'll I'll speak from a from my most idyllic answer. I guess I would say in an ideal sense, no. Um, I I do think we would want to strengthen um, simply because um, just from a body body's out standpoint, I think we're going to need to add add one. The issue is, do we go for, to me, the real issue to me is, do we go for someone for someone young that's planning for the future, or do we go for the ready, something that's a little closer to the ready-made article, um, or something that could be ready-made article within a year or two, um, and try to build, and try to go from there? Um, and I guess I would see that as the, the build for the future option being Jude Bellingham, which, you know, that seems a little bit pie in the sky uh, given all that's going on. But um, I do think if you're going to go that route, I, th- I, th- I think that makes the most sense. Um, if you're going to go for something that's more the finished article, uh, there's a lot of choices out there. I'm not sure who I'd hang my hat on, but I do, I, I do, I do stick to the idea that I think um, and the most ideal case would be us uh, bringing in at least one more body uh, for the midfield. Yeah, I think Kev says it there. Centre mid needs a plus one to replace Ox. Matt, would you be in agreement with that, or do you think we have enough? I I think I think Elliot will more than make up for Chamberlain's appearances. Uh, if he stays fit, he'll more than make up for Chamberlain. So I don't think that necessarily uh, forces us to bring another midfielder in, especially if we need to wait another year to get the target that we really want out of Dortmund then I think we've got more than enough, especially if we link it back to our first topic and we look at a change of formation. If you go to 4-2-3-1 and you minus that one body in midfield, because now we have these players where you think of Jones and Elliott and Carvalho, you think, well, are they midfielders? Are they forwards? They kind of fall into that Coutinho role where if you play with three in the midfield, you can play with them there, but might not be his best position. But if you push them a little bit further forward, it might bring the best out of them. So it, just little things like that, which again, like the five substitute rule is going to help a lot with that. Like I think we're we're going to see a lot more in game changing of formation. You know, we've seen the four two four come out a couple of times in the last few years since uh, Diogo Jota showed up. But I think going into the next season, just having that much more flexibility, you know, you can change half the outfield players. That's uh, 
for tacticians like Klopp, you know, he'll be sprinting into the tunnel at halftime and, you know, thinking about what he can do and have that many more options at his hands. And uh, Keith, so we, like we said, we spoke on Tuesday and we're, you agreed with me and I agreed with you about midfield probably needing the attention first. With the events of the last couple of days, and I know it's not over the line yet, but should it go through, do you think that we still push on to try and get a midfielder? Do we go big? Is it possible for us to go big? Or do we look, I think somebody put in there, the likes of, well, Sangare, um, um, would you get him for 30, 35 million? Or Basuma, I'd say that they'll probably be closer to 50. Do we drop another 50 on a midfielder? Or are we looking for something, like Ron said, that's maybe the finished article in a year or two? Yeah, see, that's the that's the thing, isn't it? When we spoke to you that night, we, we didn't know how... Well, I'd like to think we foresaw the Darwin Nunes drama coming, but we we didn't. We were undecided really on where we felt the priority was. And if Liverpool are going for Darwin Nunes, and a lot of people are sort of questioning it, you know, why go for him? You're seeing two minute compilations of him missing chances. You could show that for every player in the world. You could see you could do one of them for Messi. You know what I mean? Like so, I don't pay too much attention to that. Jürgen Klopp trusts this kid and if that's the one they want, that's the one they want. That changes my thoughts on, on, on the midfield then. But I'm hearing a lot of rumours as well. You know, don't listen to rumours. The only day I head in, I've done a tweet the other day telling people not to fall, and fall for transfer rumours. I'm absolutely so You're about to drop one now, are you? Yeah. Um, they're trying to do Jude Bellingham this year as well. And... That that's madness to me, and the, the 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 sort of talk that's going around is they're not afraid to go big this summer, and and it makes a lot of sense because when Jurgen Klopp signed this contract extension, what came out of that the the room the again the rumors I think it was David Maddock I think came out with it saying you know that Jurgen Klopp to sign the extension he wanted to be back to for um, in transfers now that's wishy washy to me because I think he is. Genuinely, I think he does get back to what he, what he wants. He tends to get within reason. He knows how the system works and he knows how the club operates. But, you know, if he wants someone, he'll get someone. And um, when when Maddox came out and said that they're going to back him in the transfer market, that to me doesn't sound like you spend what you earn. Do you know what I mean? So sales, well, they will count for a lot of, of what we do spend. I don't think it's going to be the determined on that you know so I wouldn't be surprised to see us going for a, a Jude Bellingham now whether we can get him or not or whether we can do a, an Abby Keita type deal and get him for next summer maybe but I just think that 60 odd million on, on Darwin Nunes might, might change the thinking on a, a midfielder I think the only when it comes to midfield we're going to lose Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain I think sort of everyone knows that Um out of the midfield. He's the only one I can see going. Someone said about Naby Kate. I can't see Naby Kate going. Um, I can see him getting a new contract, actually, rather than being sold. I think if you look at um, the the midfield options there, and with that switch, we're all guessing here. We don't know, but if they go to a 4 2 3 one, you're looking at you know, two midfield positions with Thiago, Fabinho, Henderson, Milner, and Kate all able to play in that two. And then your three in front of that, that's where your Cortis Jones, your Fabio Carvalho, your Harvey Elliott's come into it without even talking about your, your main men. Do you know what I mean? So the, the change in formation, if they do that, that might 
that might be something on the thinking along the lines of, well, we don't need another one. And fans hate to hear that. You know, people hate to hear that you're going with what you have because everybody loves a shiny new signing. But I just think, you know, with the, the way the squad is made up now, the, a shift in formation, might they might look and trust Harvey Elliott because the thing about Harvey Elliott, Jürgen Klopp was absolutely raving about him at the start of the season. And what's come out since has been a lot of... The reason he went in there and kept Jordan Henderson out of the team is because he was much more progressive with the ball. He was a, a forward-thinking player. He was always trying to get the ball quickly in. And look, Henderson, I'm a big fan of Henderson. He's done a great job on the right side of that midfield three, linking up with, covering for Trent a lot and linking up with, with Mo. But even in his game this year, we've seen an awful lot of Henderson having to go wider and having to, to do a lot of his work out wide. And I think... Harvey Elliott, when he was doing that, was was seen as an option in a creative side that maybe Jordan Henderson doesn't doesn't provide. So I think you know the the likes of Harvey Elliott and the young lads can get games in a, a switch of formation. If we stick with four three three, then it's one position is up for grabs probably, and it's it's that right side of the midfield three. But players get injuries and things like that. I'd be a bit more worried if we stick with four three three with the lads that are there. I don't want to be the a nice hair around, but we've been very lucky with injuries, especially with Naby Keita this year. He's not missed many games. Thiago has a lot of injuries behind him as well. So if we're sticking with a three, maybe we'd need one. But the lads are there and and you know, they haven't really let us down. Do you know what I mean? Like Harvey Elliott's done well. He, he's look, he got a bad injury, a really bad injury. And I think people expecting him to hit the ground when he came back, hit the ground running was probably asking a bit much. But this season gets a pre-season under his belt, gets a mid-season break when the World Cup is on. I think you could see big things from that kid this summer. And 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 Jones and Carvalho, you know, these young lads. I don't know, lads. Do you think there's anyone in the in the academy re- ready to come out? Someone mentioned Muslioski there a minute ago. Um, I butchered his name all the time. Um, um, Bal- Balagizi looked good in some of the under eighteen highlights that I saw from the past season. Like he's just got, like he seems like he's filled out more than the rest of the kids that he's playing against. He yeah. looks like he's a man as opposed to a boy. But it's it's really hard to tell because that level of football is miles from the Premier League sort of thing. But like out of that crop, I mean, uh, we got a lot of good options up front: Cannonier, Fraundorf, Musilowski. Uh, you know, like the academy team was good. Like the U eighteen team this year was was pretty exciting. Like they uh, they played some really good football, and it looked like Liverpool football. Like when you watch the extended highlights or catch a game here and there, like they're they're playing with that same cohesive idea. But uh, I just think that there's not there's not that Trent, there's not that Harvey Elliott that is standing out above the crowd yet, you know, who knows? Uh, we'll see who gets uh, invited along to go to Austria or Switzerland or whatever it is this summer. It'd be interesting to see their development, won't it? Because some people are saying that, that he could be gone, mostly Oski, but, you know, sometimes, and, and Matt touched on a great point there about, you know, Balagizi really being bigger and stronger. And sometimes you can be the big fish, can't you, in, in that sort of the big kid in the schoolyard and when you're having to to make that step up it will be interesting to see um kevin ball says there that kate gordon should be the next young young lad to come through and yeah. what do you make of kate gordon while we're talking about young lads because i see that liverpool are, are bought out or are trying to buy out 
the sell-on clause they have from Derby. Now, to me, that that sort of stinks of moving him on. Yeah, like, does what does anyone think of that? I thought probably haven't seen enough of him, if I'm, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, and I think he just seems a bit light. Um, look, most kids that age are going to be a bit light. They're going to be tanks. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't feel I've seen probably enough of him. I don't watch under-18s or anything like that. I keep an eye out for results and watch a few highlights, but I've never, I, I don't watch it an awful lot. Um, so I haven't, I haven't even seen much of him playing there. Um, Musialovsky, uh, he, he looks an absolute magician. But again, somebody said there that he actually didn't handle the step up into the under-23s very well, along with the, I think it was the other guy you mentioned, um, Mass Balagiz. 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 Yeah, yeah, Balagiz. Um, yeah, but um, it does, what you've just said there, Keith, if we're looking to to buy out or buy uh, or pay Derby off for a sell-on clause, it looks like we're probably going to try and cash in on him. Kevin Ball and and Kev O'Sullivan were saying that Derby need the need the cash due to financial like their ownership yeah, well. bid fell through and they're in trouble and they need it which which probably does make more sense yeah, yeah, you know yeah. maybe I'm just being you know could it be the other way Keith team. could it be the club think that he has a good value whether it's going to be with us or you know maybe in three years down the road when you sell him for twenty million you don't want to be paying that fifteen or twenty percent to Derby on 20 million as opposed to now, you know, if you can get it paid out for far so, less. And Liverpool are being more ruthless than, than some are saying they're being good eggs by, by offering the money. They're actually seeing it, an opportunity to to get rid of the sell-on clause. Do you know what yeah. I mean? To Protect you know, future value. Yeah, that's very fair, very fair. But we are kind of, kind of touching on, um, we spoke a little bit about Nunes, and kind of moving on from the, the youngsters and stuff. Um, do you think, Keith, that should Nunes come in, that he'd actually suit the 4-3-3 formation? Or would it be a case that we would have to change formation to try and get the best out of him? No, I think he could suit 4-3-3. Um, I think he's he's a player that that's... It's very interesting, you know. It's, it's not traditionally what we've seen in air forwards so you know you're trying to say would he still uh, Benfica they played uh, more 4 2 3 1 didn't they than 4 3 3 he drifts to the left an awful lot um, yeah I think he could do it you know he, if they look Benfica would have been a huge team they're in a team a league with three big clubs in themselves sporting Lisbon and Porto and then a clubs like Braga who are sort of the next tier and then there's a huge drop-off. At Liverpool, he's going to be playing in a team that's constantly putting teams under pressure, that's constantly going to have the ball and and be creating chances. So I think the step-up should suit him. I think playing as a, a, a focal point of a front three will suit him. And I think um, the, the, the idea of a 4 2 3 one is probably more to suit Carvalho than Nunes because Carvalho seems to thrive and this could be just Carvalho could have thrived from anybody but he thrived with um, Mitrovic at Fulham now Darwin Nunes isn't Mitrovic do you know what I mean he's much more mobile player Mitrovic is a, a more of a battering ram and a, an aerial threat uh, but 
Nunes, yeah, like I think he's an exciting player. I think the well, the profile of player is probably not what we're used to at Liverpool. It's a it's a player that Klopp would have used on you know Levin. We all know Lewandowski. Yeah, we know what Lewandowski is now, but we know that was Klopp that sort of put him where he was. Lewandowski had a bit to do with it as well by being blamed brilliant, but <laughs> you know he done that and. When they lost Lewandowski, he wanted like, and it didn't work out. It was actually a, a disastrous move. It was Chiro Immobile went to Dortmund and it just didn't work out for them. Now, Chiro Immobile's gone on and been brilliant since then. But I think Klopp likes the idea. You know, his first year, he liked Divock up there. And to have a big striker leading the line, I think Klopp would, would absolutely be all over that. But again, it's all guesswork. But the thing it does say is, if they're looking to buy this kid for this money, you know, this isn't a panic boy. This isn't Liverpool being, you know, panicky or, you know, the start of the transfer window. If you can get a day like this done, this this screams that Liverpool are looking to use that type of target, man, for games where, you know, Man City get an awful lot of, oh, they score all these goals without, without a forward, without a striker. It was Liverpool's striker. Do you know what I mean? Bobby Firmino was an attacking midfielder who Klopp converted into a false nine. Sadio Mane was a left winger who was a right winger who was converted into a centre-forward. Liverpool don't play with a centre-forward either, so if you have a guy in there that's that's going to feed off that. And look, Darwin Nunes is a quality player. People think, oh, one good season in Portugal. He went to um, Almeria, wasn't it? We were saying this, you know, yeah, yeah. it was it? Almeria. Yeah. He went to Almeria two years ago and got 16 goals in 30 games. You know, it's obviously in the Spanish second division at the time, but it shows that that the kid would have only been 20, you know what I mean? And then he uh, record signing into the Portuguese league, 24 million euros. You know, this kid is this kid is good. So I wouldn't be worried if we go there. That it will change how we play in the sense that it'll give us a more, I wouldn't say aerial presence, because Jota and Bobby are decent. Well, Jota's excellent in the air and Bobby's decent in the air. But when you've got a six foot two guy in there, but he can run. I think I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be lovely for their front line to be honest. I I honestly much the same as Chua Many. I, I still haven't looked up Chua Many <laughs> to some people's disgust. Um don't bother no point anymore. To us. No point anymore. Yeah, um, but I did after Tuesday went and looked at uh Nunes a little bit more and I got kind of Torres vibes off him. Just the, the yeah. big strong kind of like running off the shoulder, that kind of stuff. Um, and we're slowly, Matt, changing the front three. So the the like the holy trinity that was Bobby, Salah and Mane, looks like Mane could be gone to Bayern Munich if they get their finger out and actually make a decent offer instead of two Freddo's bars and a kind of Fanta or something. Um, so if... Um, but we're doing it kind of quite... It's not like a wholesale changes. It's kind of we brought in Jota... We brought in Diaz in, in January. Where do you see our front three, say, the season after next? How, how it's evolving? Well, I mean, it's we got to get the Darwin Nunez in the door and leaned up against the wall in a red shirt first. But, you know, if we, if we take the rumors, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire, that Liverpool is sniffing around. So even if this falls through, they'll just move on to their next target. Uh, like It just shows how well organized our recruitment team is like we're so far away from panic buying Andy Carroll like 
it, it just it couldn't be further from that. But like, I watched a video talking about Nunez uh, and showing some of his positions and how he likes to drift out wide and things like that. But he hit the highest recorded speed in Europe this year. Like he's lightning fast, and it just makes me think of that ball that Trent was playing that long kind of chip shot for Jada to run in behind Arsenal's defense and for Luis Diaz. You add another guy in there that just has blistering speed, and like it's exciting. Uh, like for the future, I I think we're good. I think there's we've got some young, exciting talent that we don't know where they're going to end up, forward or midfield. Uh, none of our guys are, I don't think, at the like Salah or Firmino aren't really at the risk of falling off the cliff in terms of their performance. Bobby will, I think, morph his role probably. Uh, for me, for next year, the big question is is. Where does Diogo Jota get his minutes? You're talking about a guy that scored 20 goals this year, and you know we're talking about all these different options and mentioning you know how good Carvalho and Elliott and Jones would be in a 4-2-3-1, and you know Diogo Jota's name and his 20 goals hasn't been mentioned once. Like that's a pretty good ace to have up our uh, up our sleeves. Do you think he's nervous a little bit at a joint, or has it affected him at all? I'd hope not. I'd hope I'd hope that the you know the the notion of character being like the most important thing for Klopp and co when bringing a player in that they would have sussed that out beforehand that you know you're not going to be a guaranteed starter you're you're coming from Wolves you're not coming from Barcelona like you know you're not a guaranteed starter you've got to earn your place in the team it's just I think he's better off of the left but that left-hand berth looks like it's got a pretty solid starter in Luis Diaz in it uh like does he need to shift to the right does Diaz gets shifted to the right because we don't really have adequate cover for Mo on the right-hand side. But Jada through the middle looks really good. So it's, it's, it's a very uh, – it's an interesting predicament that we've gotten ourselves into with this striker that we were all so excited about before Luis Diaz showed up and then before Darwin Nunez's name started to get bandied about. It seems like he's the forgotten one in the group. But I hope his nose wouldn't be bent out of joint. And, uh, Ron, so, like, we went from a couple of years ago and – where we had the three lads up top and it was like, ah, yeah, he's a fucked if one of them gets injured. And I'm not saying we're, we're, we can afford for any of them to get injured. You obviously hope that nobody gets injured, but it's kind of like not an embarrassment of riches, but it's an absolutely brilliant problem to have. How do you squeeze? Well, let's face it. Jota is a world-class forward. How do you squeeze all of these world-class <laughs> players into your team? How do you think we're uh-huh. going to go about, about doing that? Um, I think, I think, I think it's going to be the way cop, if I, if I could speak, if I can get in cops head for a second, I think it'd be the exact way he'd love it, which is, uh, performances on the pitch will just dictate. Um, I think <clears throat> going just on Jada, just on Jada real quick. I mean, <clears throat> I think, I, I don't think Jada's head should be turned or no should be bent out of shape. I, I, I hope it isn't because he's got to remember, you know, he's the guy who did what everybody thought couldn't be done. He came into the original front three that was lead, that was the leading line in Europe and broke into and broke into that lineup. Um, he made it possible for guys like Luis Diaz to come in <laughs> uh, in, in January and it, and it, and I think they're actually going to get playing time because before that, you know, we, you know, it was the front three and then you, you worked your t- you worked your team sheet backwards from the front um, as opposed to the other way around. Uh, and Jada pretty much changed that paradigm. So I think you know he'll be fine. As long as as long as he lets his performances do do the talking for him, I, I think I think he'll get I'll, he'll get all the minutes he, he needs. Um, you know, because you know, 
the thing that you know everybody's you know the, the natural thing to do would say you know we're spending 100 we're going to spend 80 60 to 80 million on Nunez and he, you know it's going to be his slot to be uh fought over but I think it's more the other way around which is you know Nunez has got a job on his hands to, to get to get minutes um and that he's I'm sure he's going to back himself I'm sure um he's got the talent he's got the skill and the talent to do it and that's why they're willing to pay the money, but he's still going to have to go on the field and prove it. I mean, this is, you know, and if he doesn't, you know, it's not, it's not as if we need to sit around and, you know, hold his hand and, and cry over it. We've got Jonah, you know, sit it right back up front, get your 20 goals. Um, so I think I really, I really do think that, you know, on field performances are really going to settle all this and then we'll see, see how it all shakes out. Uh, Sony Kang makes a good, uh, Oh, Point there. Uh, Jota played off Jimenez to good effect at Wolves. And I think it was actually something you said there, Matt, with the Trent, with those kind of diagonal balls across, and whether it's Jota chesting it down or Diaz chesting it down. Imagine now when you've got, and neither of those are blessed with with height, but you (laughs) said it yourself as well, six foot two, I think he's six foot two, is he six foot one and a half? I think Nunez, six foot foot six with his man bone. (laughs) <laughs> um, if he comes in, you've also got the the added thing of him even just helping it on to the lads making their way into the box. Um, yeah. The flood, not the fly in the ointment, but we mentioned I mentioned Mane there, um, and Byron not making a serious bid. Do you think that gets done in the end, Keith? Yeah, I think he gets done fairly quickly. I think. Again, you're, you're basing this on a lot of the reports we're saying, but Liverpool sort of told them to jog on with their ridiculous offer, um, which you, you can't blame Bayern Munich for doing that, by the way. You know, like they're not obliged to give us what we want straight off the bat. That's what negotiation is all about. But I think Liverpool have sort of said, look, don't start acting the bollocks here because we, we know what this fella is worth. And Bayern tried to use the Thiago case of, well, we gave you Thiago for this, that, and you know, but then Liverpool shot back and said, okay, but you are looking for 50 million for Robert Lewandowski, and Robert Lewandowski's three years older than Sadio Mane, so, you know, let's not be silly here, lads, and I think Bayern Munich are going to eventually say, right, we'll get this deal done. I don't think it'll be maybe 40 million, which I'm seeing reported, I think it'll be closer to 35, um, and I think Liverpool will take that. And, you know, because, again, I don't think Liverpool are going to act the shit and sort of not give Sadio Mane his move. You know, I think everybody wants this move to happen. I think Bayern Munich wanted to happen. They need someone to replace Lewandowski. Now, they need a star to replace Lewandowski. I think um, Sadio Mane wants it to happen because, again, he has an opportunity to go to one of the biggest clubs in world football and be the focal point, which he doesn't get at Liverpool, no matter what way we dress it up. Second half of the season, he's getting all the goals, while Salah's not getting them. And he still doesn't get the sort of, the the credit that maybe he feels he deserves. So you can understand him wanting to do it. And Liverpool, you know, Jurgen Klopp has built this team basically on, you know, you do solid for me and I'll do solid for you. And I just don't think it would suit anybody if Liverpool stood in his way. Do you know what I mean? Like they've, they, I don't think there's been many cases where they've done that. They'll they'll let a player run his contract down and go for free. Do you know what I mean? They they don't try and run the player out of the club. And I think Sadio Mane is 
one of Liverpool's greatest ever signings, certainly in the Premier League era. And, and I don't think Liverpool will do him dirty. So I can see that happening and I can see it. If Bayern come back now with a more realistic bid, I think it'll happen quite quickly. Um, and it, look, it'll be a sad day. Sadio Mane is a brilliant player. He's, he's been excellent for us. Um, he's a humble guy. You have to look at reshaping that front line at some stage, you know. And and look, I get a lot of stick on this channel because I was selling all of them last year. <laughs> but that was based on the fact that the contracts were all running down. I mean, the trade them. Their contracts are out next summer. People talk about Mo's contract and didn't really talk about Sadio's. Nobody's talking about Bobby's. Do you know what I mean? So they're all out next summer. And, you know, you have to look at, at reshaping that front line. And that's maybe what we are seeing now this, this year. Right? So we'll throw Diaz into that. He comes in 25 years old. Jota, 25 Carvalho, 19, I think he's 19, isn't he? And if Nunes gets across the line, 22. So you're seeing that sort of, that rebuild. Now you just hope they can take up the slack because Jota has been excellent. You know, to come from Wolves, it's a big jump up, but he, he backs himself. That's the thing. He's a little, uh, he has this, this not an attitude, probably. I love his attitude, but he has this sort of little man syndrome that he, you know, he doesn't take it and he's, he's a feisty little shit and I love that about him. And I think he sees himself as, you know, he doesn't see himself as inferior to the other players and he's, he's come in and his, his numbers have backed that. I think there's opportunities there for him. As as was said, great point that playing off Jimenez and, and you can see a similar sort of thing with Nunes. But when he signed for us, that was the reason why people thought he wouldn't work because he played off a front man a target man and he sort of fed off the scraps he'd go wide and he'd be sort of playing in a, a second striker oh well we could see that and again the 4-2-3-1 could play into the likes of him or Bobby playing in behind a central focal point up front or Darwin Nunes is a Divock Origi replacement and he'll be just used in cups who knows <laughs> Um, I think Jota is probably the most scouse Portuguese person I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. He just has that kind of a shit house about him, doesn't he? Even he giving does. it to the giving it to the Leicester fans, and yeah, he's absolutely brilliant. Um, Ron, um, Mane. I know we're we're talking a little bit about Mane, but Keith's right. He doesn't owe us anything, and I think he probably got a little bit misquoted last week when he was away on international duty, etc. And People obviously are out in force, kind of give, ah, get rid of them, get rid of them, get rid of them. Um, do you think that it's a new challenge that he wants by going to Bayern, or was his nose a little bit out of joint in terms of like what Keith said? So Salah came in, scored all the goals, first half of the season, died off, second half of the season. Mane kind of picked up the mantle after the Afcon, and probably had as as not as good as as Mo, but. He was always seen to be a mouse shadow. Is this a? Do you think this might be a case of he just wants a new challenge, or he's trying to be the the main man somewhere? Uh, I think it's I think it's seventy thirty. Uh, 70, 70 needs wants a new challenge. Thirty a bit of not getting a the respect he feels he, he deserves by being a mouse shadow. I feel like. Um, yeah, and part of that's I don't think I don't think that it really I think this season was sort of a micro, microcosm of the time he and Salah have been together, which is um, you know, 
regardless, because of, because of that outstanding season, solid solid had in his first year, you know, you know, it's been it's been it's been in a way he went, you know, it's, it's always been about Salah. Um, you know, the fan base, I would say, gives Sadio Mane the respect, but I think he just can't garner the sort of attention from the from football media, especially in England, um, that he should. Because you know, we 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 always I hear talked on here and a lot of other fan forums that you know Salah gets has trouble getting the recognition he deserves in English media. If if Salah is having trouble, you know, Mane is Mane is getting nowhere near enough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's it, it, so it's been pretty it's been pretty sparse from not to mention you know he's been in the league's top five goal scorers, you know, every season for the last few seasons. So um, maybe it's, part, it's, maybe that's part, I think part, part of that, you know, it's probably, he's probably grown a little tired of that. Um, and then there's also the allure of, you know, if he's, if he was ever going to have the chance to be the main man solely um, at one of the Europe's, your biggest clubs at this stage in his career, this is it. He's not, you know, if he stays here, he's he's a club legend already. There's nothing he has nothing left to prove here. That's that status. His status here is already cemented. Whereas if he goes to Bayern, he has a chance that one last chance of of, of conquering something new, built and, and adding to his legacy. And this is the, if it's either now or never. You know, he can't wait another couple of seasons to try something like that. He'll be he'll be too old. So, I think I think all those things kind of play play into it. Um, and as an avid fan and uh, a thankful watcher, all I can say is, you know, best of luck to him. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of shouts there in in terms of money and stuff like that. Look, he's not getting any younger uh, and it is a short career. So uh, more power to him if it's a case that he's just going to kind of feather the nest a little bit. Um, there was another comment there just about Nabry, I think it was. I can't remember who it was that put it up. Uh, I looked it up the other day when I was well before the Nunes, I think Nabry's on something like 19 million euros a year, which is close to 350 a week at Munich. Yeah. And then you've got Alfonso Davies that's on 23 grand, which is ridiculous. Um, so Sam Tandy, I think Mane just thinks he, he I've given everything for LFC, won everything, just wants an easy life at Bayern. Not going to be hard a challenge, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, I agree. I don't think he owes us anything. He's given absolutely everything. Um, yeah, I would probably agree with you, Ron, as well. as He probably didn't get his flowers as much as Salah probably did. Although, only up until maybe this season, if you had have asked, if you if you put a gun to people's head and said, we have to get rid of one of them, most people, I don't know, for some reason, would say, uh, I, I've spoken to, would say Salah and keep Mane. Um, yeah, so... Wow. Uh, um, look, on I don't that, think either of them, yeah, go on that. Like, so you know, we're talking about reshaping that front line, and, and we've brought in Diaz and we've brought in the other boys. Hopefully, we get Nunes over the line. We do have the looming task of replacing Salah next season because I don't think he goes anywhere. Um, so loads of people in the chat are throwing in names, but especially the two lads here, who do you use like? Potentially for that right wing bird next season, is it in Nabry or a lot, a lot of love for um, Jared Bone in the chat, or or who would you like to see getting that? That for me, there is one answer to this question, and it is Bukayo Saka from Arsenal. If they don't get the Champions League this upcoming season, if they don't finish in the top four, I think we should push and try to get him out of Arsenal. He's homegrown. 
plays on the right wing, seems to have a good attitude, looks like a team, like everything about him is just, he's in the right age bracket. For me, he'd be the one that I would, uh, I, I would be the dream signing, mean, whether Arsenal would ever sell him to us, probably not, but. Arsenal have sold big players to big rivals before. That's like true. the Manchester United used to take their players, and Man City took their players. So I don't know if Arsenal are, are um maybe it's different now, I suppose. But Sack is an interesting one because Kevin Ball saying it there, they only has two years left on his deal. Um and they're in trouble with him now. And I seen a report today saying that, you know, he's not, he's reluctant to sign with the idea that Liverpool are looking at him and Man City are looking at him as well, just to be just to be clear on that, you know, it's not just yeah. us. Um but yeah, it's I an heard, interesting one. Uh, I heard Julian Ward was preparing a bid of fifty million and one pounds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> take it or leave it. <laughs> but an extra hundred million if he wins the Ballon d'Or five years in a row. So yeah. <laughs> right. Think of the bonuses. Yeah. And who would you fancy to replace Salah Ron? Uh that's I mean Baca's a good shout. I, I think I think he, to be honest with you, I think he's the most realistic one. Um so I'll so so since I'm in agreement there, I'm gonna go full on fantasy. Um and it actually kind of works in with Mane going to uh Bayern and I would take Sane out of there in a heartbeat. Um I would love to see I know he wouldn't necessarily play on the right on the Mo, but I say we take Sane and, and figure it out, make it work. Um because I, I think a guy like a player like that. Um, under Klopp in our in our system, I think sky's the limit for the guy. So as long as his head, as long as his head's on straight and Klopp can work with him, I, I'd take Sane right out of right out of right out of Bayern. My son said that. My yeah. son, when he heard that Mane was going to Bayern, asked, "Can we not get Sane off? He loves Leroy Sane." Um, so can we not just and get you know Sane that's back on off? Mental then? money as well, though. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, yeah. ridiculous. Well, money. That, well that's I, what I said it was fantasy. Yeah, I said the problem. The problem with Sane, I think, is the injuries, isn't it? He's he's got a lot of injuries, but that can that can cloud some things. You know, players can pick up. I remember doing a show at the start of the season about Ibo Kanate and his injury record, this and that, and he people saying he missed a lot of games and all that. And when you looked at it, he sort of had one injury that. You know, it was a all his little injuries were stemming from a bigger injury, and and it was in a, it wasn't something that. It, look like it keep him out long term now Sane I think does pick up a lot of bleeding it, it does a touch of the Aryan Robbins about him in that yeah. if he if he feels if he has a bad hair day he's not going to play do you know what I mean never mind an injury so that's the only worry but he, he'd he be a great player but his his move to Bayern was what caused them absolute heartache then because he went in on big dough and it opened the door for all of them to start looking Goretzka Thiago Alaba all these lads when it came to contract so yeah Fantasy stuff, but a good show. Does anybody think, and it's just something I was thinking about today, so does anybody think that if Nunes gets over the line and if we change formation and stuff like that and, and we go on and we will be successful, do you think it, it sways Salah in any way? Because he's saying it's not money. So what is it with him? Is it ambition? Is it... Where does where does he see the club going? I honestly thought, and I probably said it a few weeks ago, that once Klopp signed the deal, Salah was probably going to follow not too long after because it was like he wanted to know that Klopp was staying. That would give him the reassurance. Does anybody actually see him signing the contract between now and next summer? Matt? Yeah. Yeah, I just... I think he's going to look around at 
the landscape of world football and not see a lot of places where the grass even looks greener, let alone is greener. And that if he wants to chase the money, he just doesn't really strike me as that. He wants to get paid, no doubt about it. Remy Abbas certainly wants to get paid, and he should get paid. He certainly should be getting paid more than he currently is because he's proven that he's one of the best players in the world. But it's and I said this on one of the other shows was he seems to me like he he knows a little bit about the history and about the record books. And if you move to another club at this point, you don't get that high up in the record books. But if you stay here for the last three, four years of your career and you pump 25, 30 goals a season in, all of a sudden you start looking at that top goal scoring chart. And he, his name is right up there. Uh, and I think that could play a big part in it because there's not a club that's got a better manager. We're showing ambition in the market. We've got world-class players at every position. He's absolutely adored by the fans. Like, unless he just doesn't like living in Liverpool. You know, that's, <laughs> that'd be about the, only, about the only reason is just for the climate. I can't see him going to another Premier League team. That that was all bluster that came out about yeah. you go to another. I can't see that because of the the type of person that he is. I can see Remy Abba saying that. You know what I mean? Obviously, he's happy to let that sort of go to whatever uh, league that he wants to to get that story out. But it doesn't tie in with the the person of Mohamed Salah that we've seen. Um, whether he's humble or whether he's fake humble, I don't know. I think I fear on the side that he's a humble guy. And and I agree with something you said there, Matt. His legacy does seem important to him. And to go to another team, and where does he go? You know, if he doesn't go in the Premier League, Barcelona apparently want him. But are Barcelona going to give him the money? You know, like, are they going to fall for that again? That the, If they're looking at Lewandowski for big dog this year, he's 33, Mo Salah... The Obama Yang there, you know, I don't know if that's an option. Real Madrid could Real look for a, a star? I don't think so. With Miss Nelton and Mbappe again, a year a year older, I just don't. I agree. I don't think there's that many teams that he can go to. But I, I still don't think he signs a deal. I think he goes. He's 112 goals off the record. There you go. Yeah, three seasons. He'll have that. <laughs> Optimistic, I like that wrong. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't know what way to. I, I sway from one day to the next. He's signing, he's not signing. I, I like what you said there as well, Keith. I was actually a little bit surprised that maybe Real Madrid didn't turn the pressure up a little bit after missing out on Mbappe. Yeah, um, unless they're keeping their powder dry and they know that come next year we we give them twenty thirty million decent wage and we can necessarily get them for free then. So. Yeah, and I suppose like they because they go big on too many, and you know the the overall package. I wonder if you're looking at it, if you were to offer big money for a Mo Salah, not big money, but it's look at the Haaland deal. City fans will tell you it's fifty million. It's it's nowhere near fifty million. And when you look at the wages and things like that, it's an astronomical deal. And fair play, they have the money to do that. And they can do that. Maybe Real are looking. And saying our other clubs are looking and saying, well, Mo Salah is going to want, you know, to go to live, you'd probably be looking for half a million a week. Do you know what I mean? He's not looking for that of Liverpool, but to go somewhere else, he might say, well, that, that's what I want. Then your package, your overall package starts to get big. You know what I mean? It starts to, to run away from you. So maybe teams are saying, look, he's on a free, we'll take him, but we're not giving the money. And maybe Madrid are like, 
nah, we're not we're not paying for that total package will when we can get it for free in the summer next summer sorry yeah um but look this is, i think a lot of people have said as well that or would anybody actually be of the opinion that if he's not willing to sign that you get rid of him this summer and avoid the whole like, because all every single press conference is going to be Mo Salah, Mo Salah. And it was this season. So you can only imagine what it's going to be in his final season. Yeah. Would anybody be of the opinion, I'll ask you first, Ron, would you be of the opinion that if he, if they sit down and say, look, and I think Gav said it the other night, here's your offer. You have until mid-July, end of July to sign it. If you decide you're not going to sign it, we're going to start accepting offers. Do you do that or do you? And look, what was he? he was just on the 40, 37 million, I think. Was it 37 million when we bought him? Do you swallow the pride, get the last year out of him and just allow him to walk away on a free? Um, unless, you, unless, you, unless you know who you're going to replace him with right today, I, I'd say no. Because getting rid of Mo Salah and, you know, I I don't think in any way, shape, or form, uh, the new Nunez signing has in any way in can in any way cover letting go of Mo Salah. So if you don't know who that replacement is and you aren't already further far along with with making sure that that's going to be something that's good to go, so Klopp can at least have a preseason with the guy. Uh, no, <laughs> you have to bite the bullet and, and and let him let him leave on a free in that in that case if that's what he's re- his heart's really set to do. Um, because you know what you lose from Osala is not just uh, an icon, somebody who you know strikes fear in the heart of you know most Premier League defenses. You lose a guaranteed twenty plus goals a season. That's twenty goals out of your out of your out of your out of your squad right then and there, walking out the door. Can you guarantee that the guy coming in gives you that? I, I I don't know that you can, <laughs> but but you can guarantee Mo's going to get you that. So, um, if you want to be if you want to stay challenging challenging on all fronts, um, with with a legitimate shot to win them all, um, no, you, you got to bite the bullet. I, I I don't I wouldn't want to see that. I I don't think it makes the most business sense in the world in terms of from a financial standpoint, but uh, it. It's the kind of decision I'm happy I actually don't have to make in real life. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, would losing Mane and Salah in the one window be disastrous? I mean, it depends. If Real Madrid come in and repeat the offer they made to PSG last summer and offer whatever it was, $200 million to get Mbappe a year early, which looks like it was a smart choice to try to make at the time with how that all panned out. I mean, if somebody came in with silly money, then yeah, if he's not going to sign a contract and somebody wants to pay his silly money, but... Uh, I mean, I just said I think he's going to resign, so it's not really an issue. But if he's not going to resign and the club know that, I think you keep him and you just ride him into the ground. You don't you you I don't give him a day. You don't give him a day off. I, I mean, if he's if he's laid his cards out and says this is the last time I'm going to play for Liverpool, then you get every drip you can out of him, and then we get the one thing that unfortunately we're not going to get with Sadio Mane. And that's the crowd will be able to send him off. 
That's I wish that they could draw out the Sadio Mane thing until August and the season starts so that he could have one game, even if he's not playing, you know, even if he's just in the crowd so that he could come down and have his moment like Genie had, like Divock had, because he's earned that. He deserves to have all those people inside Anfield let him know just how much he means to this club. So if if it comes down to it that Mo isn't going to sign his contract, he will definitely get that. The last home game of next season, uh, you know, for non-footballing reasons, for the emotions of Mo leaving, and he deserves to have that as well too. So, uh, no, I would not, unless somebody wants to offer us, uh, you know, you had a financial takeover on FIFA and they're going to give us all of that transfer budget. But Salah has to agree to any transfer as well. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, you, you can't just, I was shouting to sell him and all last week on Twitter. But that was, that was of the, that was based on the whole, I don't want the year to this show. You. I can't listen to Rami Yabas's nonsense again. And people are like, what does he ever say? You know the leaks. You know where they come from, who it is. The little oh, emojis. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and Fabrizio Romano stuff. You know, his that's legit from Abbas with him. Uh, I think he's an absolute shyster at the highest order, but he does have a connection with, with Abbas. So, you know, I just I couldn't put up with that. But you can't just sell him. You know what I mean? It's If you could, but... In saying that, like the teams that'll be off coming to buy him will be your PSGs and your Real Madrid. So it's not like you're sending him to Bladen some Mickey Mouse team, you know, he'd be going to a, a top destination. <laughs> but he'd have to, yeah. <laughs> he'd, he'd have to give up a lot of shekels to to even get him to the table, you know, to, to deal with that. So I don't know. And to lose the two of them in one summer, I think it'd be a bit mad. Do you know what I mean? I think so Kev makes a good point there as well that you would already kind of uh, hear at yeah. this stage, even though the transfer window hasn't opened up yet, you'd already hear people inquiring about him, etc. Um, I was just playing devil's advocate there. I'd probably hold on to him and let him run it down. Um, and just let him, like, look, look, these are, I, I know you're going to have people that'll be like, well, we should have cashed in when we could and stuff like that. But like, do you know what I mean? It's, I don't want to say it's only 34 and 37 million or whatever, but they've more than repaid their transfer yeah. fees to the club. Exactly. So uh, that's it. We've just gone just over an hour, so won't uh, keep people much longer. Um, Keith, anything else from you? Are you playing golf tomorrow? I am. <laughs> yeah. So tomorrow is the favorite golf day. Uh, what what golf stuff still fits me? I haven't swung a club since Cal- well. I tell a lie. I swung a club on. Tuesday down the spa well driving range. The first time the clubs came out of the bag in nearly two years. I actually bought during lockdown, I bought a brand new putter, so that's going to be fun to use. I've never Excellent. used it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, I swung the club on Tuesday, I hit 200 balls, which was a mistake because I'm actually feeling it now. I have a blister yeah. on my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> I was absolutely leathering them straight down the middle, which means that tomorrow I'm going to go out and they're going to be going left, right, everywhere. Right if, you go to the drive, if you go to driving range and you can't hit it straight, you're nearly guaranteed that when you go onto the course, it's going to go straight and the opposite. Yeah. So when, you, when you're hitting them straight down the middle and the dri- driving range, you're definitely not hitting them onto the fairway. So, yeah, now I'm looking forward to it myself, my cousin, another friend of mine, Darren, Meany and uh, a mank, believe it or not, Dara Spain, um, is uh, is coming out on our team. So our tea time is half 11, but we're going to be out there from 10 o'clock tomorrow yeah. morning. So looking forward to it. Really yeah, looking so. forward to it, actually. I don't play golf because I'm good. I play golf because I actually I enjoy it. And I think I said it to, to Gav probably after one of the shows before. 
you just know that like you could have whatever amount of shots I take. I know some people only take 70 odd shots. I'd probably take double that, but it only takes one shot to actually make you forget about all of those other 272 shots that you played badly yeah. that day. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I just enjoy it. And look, there's going to be a few points in that. And it, obviously it's for a good cause as well. So, you know, yeah. I can't wait. Excellent. Yeah, because that's the thing. It's the Failicon Golf Day tomorrow. We pushed and pushed and pushed for 10,000 now at the time. That was that was the aim. And, and life sort of got in the way and the world got in the way. But, uh, you know, we've done well, raised a lot of money and, and tomorrow's the big day. We'll keep going with the Failicon. I'm sure everyone knows at this stage what Failicon do. They support people who've just lost a child, Jordan, or after pregnancy. And, you know, it's a, it's a very worthwhile charity that, that a lot of people don't talk about or or really want to talk about, but uh, we're going to keep going with it, and that's the thing. You know, we mightn't hear that target at the moment, but we're going to keep going and keep pushing it because it's 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 an important thing, and the, the service that that they give is is very very under underappreciated, not underappreciated, undervalued maybe. And if we can get to that ten thousand, it will do a lot of good for them. So we're going to keep going with that. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Now I'm not playing golf. I cannot play golf for sure. So I'll be out afterwards for a few points, Emma, and, and I'll, I'll look forward to hearing about how you got on, how many shots you got. <laughs> uh, Red Steve was right there. Uh, my balls use IP vanish. <laughs> I was wondering where we get to that. <laughs> uh, look, I just, I just checked there while you were talking, Keith, we're over 50%. So uh, just just shy of five five, and like Gav says on every show, uh, and I've said it to him several times as well. If there's anything that I can do, um, he's like he's just going to keep it going until I get the ten, and uh, I'll back him anything that he wants to do. Shave me head, shave me beard, dye me hair. Let's do something. But let's like Gav always said, he he all the trophies to get to that ten k, uh, yeah. and. I'll I'll do absolutely everything I can, and I'm sure other people will as well to, to try and get to that 10k. So, hundred percent. Matt, so anything else from No, just uh, I, I like some of the t- the talk tonight. You know, it's a, it's a little bit theoretical and out there, and it's really making me think about this three center halves thing a little bit more. You know, it solves a <laughs> lot of the problems that we're <laughs> we're, we're proposing to have. But uh, no, I'm. Uh, Jealous to not be able to be over there to take part in the golf day. It's a, it's a great charity, and it's good that you've got a man coming along with you, Emmett, because that, uh, that reminds me of the classiest moment of the season and when our fans sang to Cristiano Ronaldo, and it was you know done absolutely impeccably uh, during a week where you know both sets of Manchester fans found a way to prove how classless they are. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's good. I hope, I hope your guys' weather holds up. Oh, it's yeah. definitely not going to. Not going to. <laughs> <laughs> the, the points will be wet afterwards as well, so I've no problem with that. Um, Ron, anything else from yourself? Uh, no, I enjoyed it again once again, guys. Um, go, I mean, uh, good luck out there tomorrow. Hopefully you guys uh, have a good round. Um, and looking forward to the next chat. Yeah. I'm sure there'll probably be pictures and stuff like that being put up. Um of the of the golf day so yeah now i'm looking forward go. to it but um so that's it so listen uh key thanks for coming on to uh viewers voice great to be on and and to meet the great lads i uh, really enjoyed it good stuff matt thank you again uh, and i have to just to, just to point out canada and washington so uh ron we weren't going to say anything about you being late but we were talking before we came on air like so it was only five past five in the evening so look 
there's no way you get me onto a podcast at five past five in the evening. Yeah. Did you? <laughs> uh, fair play to you, to both of you. Uh, and it's great to have you on again, especially like even the last two weeks, three weeks in a row now. You're, you're re- absolute regulars. Yeah, yeah. So, look, that's where we leave it. Um, if there's anybody in the chat that's going to be at the golf day tomorrow, myself and Keith will have a point with you. Um, that was Viewer's Voice. My name's Emmett, and we'll talk to you next week. Sports Social Podcast Network.